Technorama episode six, 701. Oh, man, I got to rewire the brain. Where words and strategy meet. It's like when you turn over that calendar page to the new year and you still keep writing the old year. Yes. We've been Welcome saying- to 2022. Wait, what? And then you keep wondering yourself, why am I still writing checks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What year is this? 1962? Welcome to Tectorama. This is the podcast that takes a lighthearted look at tech, science, sci-fi, and a whole bunch of geeky things. My name is Chuck Tomasi. Joining me right there is Craig Stepp. How are you, Craig? Hey, what's going on? And- down here is Clinton Elvord from Comedy Forecast. Hello, everybody. If this lineup looks familiar, you may have seen the topic as Trek. Both people yeah. who recognize that reference. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's our yeah. other podcast where the three of us get together. Yeah, at least two people saw that video, I think. <laughs> We've done 131 shows and, yep, two viewers doing mm. all right. Yeah. And we'll keep doing it, doggone it. But that's a, a plug for the other show. Clinton, how have you been since Thursday night? When since <laughs> Thursday night, talked to you last? Yeah. Uh, very good, very good. I just uh, was out on a little uh, mini hike with um, with Bonnie and our son, Nathan. We went to hike some trails this afternoon. It was a very nice, uh, enjoyable day. Got some Wait, did it air. warm up from sub-freezing zero below? Yeah, I was going to yeah. say. Yeah. It was it was mighty cold. Uh, matter of fact, I was gonna go out and do um, what I call a writing marathon on on Saturday, but the cold weather had other plans because I went out to the car and the car went no <laughs> no. <laughs> no 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 exactly. Click, click, click. Uh, I think it was. I think it uh, the forecast. I didn't check specifically but i it was like with the wind chills like minus 20 degrees mm -hmm. yikes you so could did, work did on that today you could work on that weather station on the mountain in new hampshire that was the cold yes it yes, was uh, it was Washington. like minus 107 before the wind chill <laughs> it was like, yikes. oh my gosh <laughs> that yeah, that's not the kind of job i want you could go outside and try to do the uh the boiling water trick and you'll you'll <laughs> You'll go away too. <laughs> uh, you so, throw it in the air, and out comes this block of ice. Thunk lands on the ground. You try to throw it at, and the entire yeah. thing is already frozen. Where's Clinton? You're just frozen in. <laughs> He's a statue. Well, I'm glad you were able to get outside, and things are turning a little bit warmer. This is this is when people go, "Ooh, ten degrees Fahrenheit feels nice now." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. People are shedding layers. It's it's 12. I'm going to go for a skinny dip. No, I don't think so. Well, let's get into our feedback then. We do have some listener feedback from last week's question. Letters. Oh, we get letters. We get your letters every day. Oh, boy. All right, in the mailbag, we have uh, our question from last week, which was, if aliens make themselves known to us, which I think they may have already done, what is the first thing you introduce to them? I don't think we got an answer out of Clinton. Hmm. 
Okay. And don't say your podcast. <laughs> okay, that's be the second thing then. Mac and cheese, uh, then the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess chocolate because I want to see if you know what they think of chocolate. Well, it's toxic to some animals. You don't give it to your dogs and cats. So hey, it's one way to get rid of the aliens. That's right. Yeah. You give them some chocolate, they die immediately and you start a war. Yeah, you go, <laughs> well, I guess that didn't work out so well. Yeah. Uh, take it back. Blame it on the M and M's. Sounds like a Star Trek plot line. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, Steve London said, "Cats meet our feline leader." <laughs> the cats go meh. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, they just walk off. <laughs> Stephen Weshy says, "Independence Day," so they know not to mess with humanity, especially right. Will Smith. Just ask yeah. Chris Rock. <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh! Whoa, well man. played. Wow. Whoa. Just, already, huh? Should have saved that one for the closeout. That was a year ago already. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Weber Baker said tacos. I, I agree with that one. But uh, only on Tuesday. <laughs> you get only two on of them. Yeah, had to have Tuesday tacos. That's right. Uh, Lone Guy's Nice says the great egress. Oh, I haven't heard of that yet. We're going to have to follow this way his... to the egress. Aren't those the white birds that are in the marshlands of Florida? Uh, uh, egrets? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, right. Let's see. Who who else shared? I shared, but nobody responded. Oh, wait. No, that's not true. That's uh, true. Gary Lindra said, Gary Lindra said, our national park system. Okay. And you got I'm a couple of likes off of that one. See yeah. if they can predict when, when Old Faithful is going to finally just like, boom. Yeah. Look in this hole. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I catch them every time, those aliens. <laughs> mm, I like a good steamed fish. Uh, yeah. Trampus Whiteman says, Casey-style barbecue. <laughs> Again with the food. <laughs> That's right. You got made in New York City. New it's, York City? Yeah. It brings people together, right? You got and one more? Sean, yeah, Sean Brockman said, our dire need for a better stewardship of our planet. Um, okay, I'm not sure how to introduce that uh music of all kinds starting with the oldest known variety oldest known variety like sticks and rocks and... <laughs> so what's that joke about the aliens that finally come across uh the voyager spacecraft because it's got the record the gold record with right. all the information about right. earth and the aliens send back a message saying send more chuck berry you know it's okay. <laughs> we're ready for your greatest hits volume two yeah <laughs> All right. Well, that I, was fun. I, wait a minute. I did ask. Uh, actually, no, wait. We're not done yet. We're not so done yet. Two, okay. There's but two, wait, there's more. There's two bits of feedback in the show notes. One from Mad Mark. Yes, there is. I was getting there. He says, if aliens show it up, I would show them the War of the Worlds. <laughs> Again, so, you know, we're not be, might to be trifled with. Uh, the audio drama. Okay, not the movie. I'd pitch it to them saying how this story always leads to mass hysteria whenever it's broadcast. Uh, even decades after it was revealed to be a hoax, even when the story was translated to other languages, and even when somebody says it can happen again in this day and age. No, it couldn't happen again in this day I'm and sorry, age. So it couldn't. Yeah, it couldn't happen. Uh, I bet them that it would work at their home world, just a little bit of localization. <laughs> I see. Give them their own practical joke to play yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah. The earthlings are coming. The earthlings are coming. Ah! That's right. 
All we got to do is sneeze on them. I'd run too if I heard the Earthlings were coming. So, well, so I, if, you know, if you gave them the War of the Worlds ahead of time, then they know to get their shots. They get vaccinated right. before they you come here. You're right. You're all masked up. I've heard of this planet. They're crazy. Some of COVID 19. I did ask Chat GPT. Oh, boy. It says, as a language and model AI, I don't have personal experiences or emotions, but. If I were to introduce something to aliens, I would introduce the concept of communication and language as a means of establishing a common understanding and facilitate further exchange of information. Well, well, that just sounds really boring. That sounds like it's all peaceful and stuff. That sounds very Vulcan. <laughs> no yeah. emotions. Uh, oh, Arrival. That was the movie that they were trying to, uh, they're doing, that's exactly what they did was they were trying to, uh, understand their communication so we can talk with them. That's a foregone conclusion. I mean, what would you introduce them to? First, you'd have to have a way of communicating to introduce them to what you really wanted to show them, Chuck Berry. Yes. If you play the world's longest game of charades, okay, that's a spaceship or a dog or a or a as we say on our planet. (laughs) Well, you know, Zephram Cochran did introduce the Vulcans to Ubi Dooby. And they were so happy. <laughs> I can see it's going to be like on Futurama where they came from Omicron Percy I-8 to come back to Earth to find out what happened to the female lawyer. Allie McBeal. <laughs> <laughs> Send us more of the lawyer with the short skirt. <laughs> <laughs> we want more Chuck Berry. All right. Well, that was fun. Was it not? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Then we will move on to the history segment. Oh, we better roll. We have three people. Man, wait, guys. He's got to go get his D20. It's right here. Oh. You couldn't type into your browser roll D20. No, that's no fun. I wanted, I bought these for a reason. Uh, <laughs> I would have done better with real dice. Wait, uh, let me pull di- up chat GPT. My digital D20 let me down, but I'm sticking by the roll. All right, here we go. Oh, man, I'm returning this dice. I got a six. <laughs> Twice my roll. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Clinton, did you roll? Um, doing it right now. <laughs> Just type into Google, roll a, D20. I got a 10. You got a 10. Okay, you get to go first. It's going to go Woo-hoo! Clinton, Craig. And I I got to confess, I lined up the question, the uh, birthday so that I would get the hard names. But that was when it was planned for two. So anything can happen here. Oh, Uh-oh. great. Yeah. <laughs> this is going to be so fun. I knew you did this Hilarity on purpose. Will ensue. No, I said I... I took the hard names for the birthdays. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> On this day in history for February 8th, 2023, this is the 39th day of the year in the Gregorian calendar. There are 326 days remaining in 2023. It was on this date in 1817 that Las Heras completed his crossing of the Andes with an army to join San Marin, San Martin and liberate Chile from Spain. Good for them. And, huh? Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Delaware refused to ratify the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Slavery was outlawed in the United States, including Delaware, when the amendment was ratified by the requisite number of states on December 6, 1865. Delaware ratified the 13th Amendment on February 12, 1901, which was the 92nd anniversary of the birth of Abraham Lincoln on this date. 
1865. So it was rat. It, it was passed in 1865, but they only ratified it like oh, 36 years later. Yeah. Oh, a little late the, to the, the party. Pa- the paper fell under somebody's desk. Oh, it was. In there. It was a confidential document at <laughs> President Lincoln's home. They had to go get it. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it was beside his Corvette. <laughs> we gotta. We gotta <laughs> dig up his grave. <laughs> It was on this date in 1879 that Sanford Fleming first posted adoption of Universal Standard Time at a meeting of the Royal Canadian Institute. Very nice. It was on, it was 108 years ago today that D.W. Griffith's controversial film, The Birth of a Nation, premiered in Los Angeles. And we'll not talk about that anymore. What a flick. Yeah. On February 8th, 1922, United States President Warren G. Harding introduced the first radio set in the in the White House. Okay. 77 years ago today, the first portion of the Revised Standard Version of the Bible, the first serious challenge to the popularity of the authorized King James Version was published. Hmm. Lettest thou known that thine Bible be published. Much better. Forsooth. <laughs> February 8th, 1960, Queen Elizabeth II of the United Kingdom, as opposed to the other Queen Elizabeth II, uh, <laughs> issued an order in council stating that she and her family would be known as the House of Windsor and that her descendants will take the name Mountbatten Windsor. How many no. times do we have to batten them down? <laughs> Once the hatches. On February 8th, I'm going to move along, get away from <laughs> Please those. Please do. Stupid. Please do. Uh, February 8th, 1960, the Hollywood Walk of Fame was established with Joanne Woodward's uh, first star. She was the very first star. It wasn't much of a Walk of Fame. It was only one star. <laughs> it's a short walk. It's, a, it's kind of like a power walk. He's <laughs> 52 years ago today, the NASDAQ stock market index opened for the first time. Well, that same date in 1974, after 84 days in space, the crew of Skylab 4, the last crew to visit American space station Skylab, returned to Earth. And shortly thereafter, somewhere in Australia, so did Skylab. Crash! Soda can hitting a globe. Saturday Night Live. Go look it up. Yeah, right. 40 years ago, the Melbourne dust storm hit Australia's second largest city, the result of the worst drought on record in a day of severe weather conditions. A 320 meters deep dust cloud, that's uh, 1,050 feet for us Americans, uh, envelops the city, turning day into night. Around here, we call it a haboob, just because we like to say that word. (laughs) General Motors sued NBC after Dateline NBC allegedly rigged two crashes intended to demonstrate that some GM pickups can easily catch fire if hit in certain places. NBC settles the lawsuit the next day on this date in 1993. And uh, it's Clinton. Uh, Yes. Happy birthday goes out on this date, too. Greek astronomer, mathematician, and astrologer. uh, Probably in... (laughs) Wait, he died at at 175 or died in in year 175? I think it's year year 175. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Vedius Valens, born on this date in 120. <laughs> he was he was a descendant wow. of Ri- uh, Richie Valens. That's right. Yeah. Also turning what? Also turning 1,611 
today. <laughs> it doesn't look a day over 1,500. I was about to say that as a year. Wow, okay. People lived uh, longer in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's Greek mathematician and philosopher Procopus. Dutch Swiss mathematician and physicist Daniel Bernoulli. Not the Bernoulli drive, Bernoulli. Yeah, why not? No, the Bernoulli effect. He was born today in 1700. I love his pizza restaurants. Uh, English geographer, biologist, and explorer Henry Walter Bates was born 198 years ago today. And Dmitry Medelev, a Russian chemist and academic, was born the same day in 1834. That's closer than I expected you to get, Craig. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. American physicist and lawyer invented xerography. Chester Xerography. No, I'm kidding. Chester Carlson, born on this date in 1906. Lana Turner, American actress, was born on this date in <laughs> 1921. I believe oh, it's Turner. Turner. <laughs> Uh, American actor James Dean was born 92 years ago today. American pianist, composer, and conductor John Williams. Yes, that John Williams is 91. Oh, man, we wow. ran out of music. Oh, wow. Roll it again. Also turning 80 today is American scientist and inventor Valerie Thomas. And American lawyer and author John Grissom was born on this date in 1955. Also turning 66 today is French historian of mathematics. Wow, where did that go? <laughs> and <laughs> sinologist Karine Kemla, Chemla, Chameleon. Also, yes, <laughs> also born on the same date in 1964, Belizean American mathematician, physicist, and academic. Arlie Peters. You don't run into too many Belizean Americans. No, but if you run into, you know, Arlie, say say we said hello. How many zeros are in a Belizean? Thirteen. <laughs> I don't know. Gary Coleman, the act, American actor, was born fifty-five years ago today. Who's going to say it? What you talking about, talking? Willis? I'm <laughs> not going to say it. I was going to say what you talking about, Chuck. <laughs> Actually, uh, I was surprised that. I mean, it's been about 10 years ago it passed away, I guess, right? I think so. Yeah. Also born like... on that same date in 1974, American actor, voice artist, comedian, producer, and writer, and director, Seth Green. Oh, we still got to do the listener birthdays. All right. Yeah. February 8th, Jan Scott from Yorkshire, UK. The 9th podcast, Mike from... A podcast Mike Wills from Minnesota. We have a space issue in there. Zach Agulian on the 10th, as well as Drace, a.k.a. Sherry from North Dakota. Douglas E. Welch from Career Opportunities Podcast on St. Valentine's Day on the 14th, as well as Andrew from Illinois. Happy birthday to all of you. If it's your birthday this week, we wish you all the best. If you want to be on the calendar so we can give you a shout out at the appropriate time of year, go over to... Craig. Craig. Oh. Chuckchat.com slash birthday. Craig's going to put it on the screen. There it is. And we will give you a shout out when your name comes up. Like we did all these wonderful people who've been doing this for the past, what, about 15 years? <laughs> you know what? I, just to let you guys know, every one of these people on it's their birthday, I open my window in the morning, I yell, yell out their name, close the window. My neighbors don't it, know what the hell I'm talking about. Yeah, I was going to say the neighbors <laughs> must love that. Especially when it's like 40 below. There he goes again, Gladys. Yeah. Don't Happy, holy crap, it's cold out. <laughs> like a freaking rooster. That's right. All right. Thank you for all oh, of that. But yes. And by the way, Gary Coleman passed away in 2010. I was close. 13 years. 13 years. 
Okay, we have some news. So let's play our... Who's everyone? Oh, I just said that for Fry's benefit. Helps if I turn it up, but that's all right. Mm, that's right. So scientists have discovered a weird new form of ice that may change how we think about water. It's called slush. And no? we often think about water. Hmm. We, well, I we do because it it's so important to life on our planet. I'm, yes, I'm drinking some it's now. Awesome. <laughs> Here's to you, water. Mm. Yeah. We'll pour one out for you. Wait, that's not so that's fine. Some... High quality H two O. I'm gonna pass water. Well, there's a state. Well, there's a state between like ice crystals. You know, when you normally see the snowflake, they mm-hmm. are six sided. You get this Ooh, is hex- it West Virginia hexagonal oh, no, pattern. Not... No, not that state. Yeah. State of no. insanity. <laughs> no, but they they form that repeating crystalline pattern. Okay. That's because of the way that the water molecules are formed. And you've got your temperatures and gravity and all this kind of stuff involved. What they did is they took a bucket of ice and they used some liquid nitrogen to keep it cold. And then they uh-huh. took these steel balls and rolled them around and crushed and crushed and crushed and crushed and crushed until all of those hexagonal bonds were broken. It wasn't water. It was still ice. And they discovered a new medium. Now, they knew that there was this state they called- call it slushy? Uh, close. They called it amorphous ice. And there was icy. high density icy. and low density. And high density is 1.13 grams per cubic centimeter. Now, normally, we grew up learning that water has a density of one gram per cubic centimeter at sea level, blah, 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 right? That's, that's what I, I was just thinking the same thing. That's why the metric system is so easy to figure out. And we use this crazy English imperial system. Well, the high density amorphous ice is 1.13 grams per cubic centimeter. Ooh, it's denser. Hmm. And the low density is 0.94. So one is a bit above and one is a bit below that 1.0 mark. Now, we all know that water behaves oddly, different than most other liquids. It has a higher boiling point. It expands when it turns into a solid rather than reduces like most other liquids when they turn into a solid, you know, when you like watch wax and it kind of gets that cave in, in the middle, like not water, it gets a bulge. Like water is weird, but, um, yeah, they discovered this new density, which is 1.06 grams per cubic centimeter. And they call it unimaginatively since it fits between the high density and the low density. What do you think they would call it? Medium density? That's exactly right, because scientists have no imagination. You know, they, yeah. they should have called it like Salzman ice or something, you know, just to be they need a They need a marketing guy. They I'm kind of convinced that this was not an experiment. Like somebody just like to say, hey, what happened? Well, let's let's throw some of these balls in here when we're trying to make one of our, you know, frozen margaritas. Look at it under a microscope and Wow. This is we can write this off. This is a medium density margarita. <laughs> yeah. Send this one back. I'm compensating with alcohol here. I'm not sure what the takeaway from all this is, except water is still you know, as abundant as it is, as long as it's been around and we've known about it. We just haven't finished our studies on it. There's more to learn, kids. So think about water. <laughs> we do. Okay, and I don't know if everybody's heard the news. Yeah, you know, this is Technorama. We often have space news to cover. Yeah. 
Cape Canaveral, Florida, astronomers have announced they've discovered 12 new moons around Jupiter, putting the total count at a record-breaking 92, which surpasses Saturn's old lead of 83. So, Saturn, let's get on your game. Start collecting moons. Step up. That's right. Those rings don't count as moons. Okay. They're beautiful and all. But not anymore. So (laughs) they're they're thinking that some of these are broken off pieces of other moons, so from collisions and whatnot. And interestingly enough, if it's less than uh, one mile in diameter, you can't you can't give it a name. So out of those twelve, what was it? Um I mean you can't. No, they they can't name it's just like a rock. (laughs) Yeah. B rock, C so rock. Only <laughs> half of them, only six of them can actually the be D. named. But and then the rock. They haven't it's, named. It's, yeah, it's going to be like satellite 24267. Oh, don't death. do that. That's always yeah. sad. That's always that, yeah, yeah, no, no personality. You've just become a catalog number at that point. Was it just, were they just consider like trash hanging around? Well, some of them are are like asteroids that have come in because Jupiter and Saturn, well, and and Uranus and Neptune as well, have massive gravity. So when something comes by, it may get caught in the gravitational field and just becomes a moon. I was trying for a slingshot. Nope, nope. You're staying around. Nope, nope, nope. Not so fast, whippersnapper. This is my neighborhood. That's no moon. It is now. Craig, I don't understand what you're trying to tell us. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you don't. Every once in a while, Craig just randomly spouts out these words like we're supposed to know what he's talking about. Liver pudding. <laughs> Peanut hamper. That I understood. <laughs> Peanut hamper. Peanut hamper, right. <laughs> All right. This was another interesting one uh, from this past week. Dungeons and Dragons, the the owners of Dungeons and Dragons, Wizards of the Coast, decided it was time to change their, uh, not licensing, what do they call it? Um, That's exactly what they were doing. They were changing the, yeah, to, and they said to protect against things like NFTs so people wouldn't get caught. Uh, But while they were still drafting this up, not ready for public document, Somebody leaked it. And then the whole industry goes up in an uproar. You can't change this. It's like, wait, wait, wait. We were going to open source this document as soon as we got, you know, a few more things settled on the draft. Are saying the internet overreacted to something? I can't believe it, right? That's wow. crazy talk. That's crazy yeah. talk. So the original game was under a copyright license from Open Game License, OGL. And they said, well, we're coming out with OGL 2.0 and everybody went, whoa 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 uh who is this guy that was um it, it, it says let me find the actual number in here actual number of what it says uh, something you need something you need to understand about D D is that no one plays by the rules said linda codega a reporter from ionant IO9 by yeah. Gizmodo, who is the first to report on the leaks. Every single person at the table who plays D&D is a creator. They're using their imagination to create another kind of story and another way to use D&D. She added that this culture of creation can help explain why fans were so outraged that the draft introduced changes such as royalty payments of about 20 to 25% from creators making over $750,000. You may go, who the heck is making that kind of money in D&D? Well, there I'm are in the wrong business. There are people that are creating 
you know, this cloak of invisibility, for example, or a spell to, you know, win the game, whatever. And they, they license and sell those things. So, uh, you know, Wizards of the Coast said, well, what if we were to get a piece of that action? And everybody went, ah, no. So at the end of the day, they went back and forth. They, on January 4th, Codega reported that there was the draft of OGL 1.1. Nine days later, another draft was leaked, OGL 2.0. It removed the royalties, but the creators were still not happy. So Wizards broke down that same day. They broke their silence about the situation with a written apology, and they agreed to open a feedback process with the new draft to be released later on. Five days later, an original draft was published named OGL 1.2. So they backed up from 2.0. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's kind of like Wi-Fi. Which one's G, N, B, L? I forget it. We'll just go to six. Yeah. Uh, this triggered a feedback process for creators and players to comment and share their opinion. In the end, basically they reverted and said, um, never mind. We're just going to stick with the OGL 1.0 for now. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because a lot of people were, um. Uh... Uh, canceling their subscriptions to stuff. Well, yeah, they said, uh, fine, we'll go play Pathfinder, which is an alternate one. And, you know, there are people who have religious beliefs about each one. So, yeah, see, something like this, you have to, there's a fine line here because, like you said, everybody's a creator. They're, they're putting their input into it. So they, uh, Wizards has the framework, all the rule, you know, basic rules and uh, ideas for some of the fantastical spells and all kinds of stuff that you can do. But when you start messing with people, they will drop you, you know, or move along. I can understand it. You know, they were trying to act in the best interest. They weren't out to be malicious. They said, Hey, right. we see there's, there could be issues with NFT. We want to kind of get a jump on that. So they're drafting things up and then there was a leak. So, right. right. And if, and if we're talking about, you know, the range of, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. It's not affecting a whole lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder who's making 750,000. Yeah. We're in the wrong <laughs> business, Craig. I know. Right. But you know, it, it, they said, you know, we're part of the same community. We want what's good for the community. It's just this, this kind of blew up in their face. So well, I'm also wondering we, I was having a discussion today with Nathan about this thing. So, we were both kind of in agreement that NFTs seem to be kind of like done. So this is like adding on top of everything else, this, this concept of the firestorm over something that's probably going to be irrelevant in, you know, two or three years. Yeah. Yeah. It's too early for the it's NFTs. It's going to be an interesting next few years when it comes to NFTs and cryptocurrency. And you know, based on what we've been seeing, yeah, to the winners go the spoils. That's right. Anyway, the the pyramid. I mean, uh, what? <laughs> I didn't. What? I didn't say anything. Let's what? let's move on to our hacks and strange stories because Craig found us a winner of a story. Oh yeah. So now, Craig, you're going to talk about this show a little bit later. Yeah, I am. Yeah, Clinton, do you have HBO Max? Uh, I do not. And actually, this is another thing I was talking to Nathan about today because he we watched him play the game Last of Us. Right. And um, he was we were talking about it a bit. And I said, so have you have you seen? It? He said, well, I, a lot of my friends say that it's good, but I haven't really felt compelled because I played the game and I kind of enjoyed the game. I didn't really feel 
necessary to seek out and watch the television show. Well, I'll tell you, and I can say I'm skipping ahead a little bit. The reason I watched it, uh, I started watching. There's only like three episodes out right now. Uh, Cause it's a weekly uh, release show. Uh, everybody was talking about this episode with Nick Offerman and how great it was. He's going to win an Emmy. I'm like, well, last night I found myself sitting in front of the TV wondering what to watch. I went, all right, I'm somebody online told me it's kind of a bottle episode. So, you know, it's not a big deal if you watch it out of, mm-hmm. out of turn. I was like, all right, I'm going to skip ahead and watch it. Now I did. I watched it. It was a great episode. It was great. Uh, and then uh, I went ahead and started watching one and two. And they kind of, it's kind of a zombie movie or show yeah. rather. Yeah. But they kind of tell you up front what's hap- why what's happening. Uh, and they, uh, would they explain it? You know, in um, The Walking Dead, I'm not even sure if they ever found out what what the what the reason was the, for the outbreak. But uh, and part of that outbreak is they the uh, Pedro Pascal was explaining. Well, everybody was eating these products that had like uh, like had flour. Um, I don't think uh, I'm trying to remember who said it, sugar. it was. It was some mold spores or something in the yeah in, in the that, food. and it was a product that went everywhere, and then. All of a sudden, everybody was infected, you know, in a short amount of time, like over the weekend, over a weekend, everything fell apart. Ergot so, in the wheat again. That's what happened Moses' yeah, time. Right. And this was a, a fungus uh, spread. And then, of course, the story says, hey, there's a real life fungus spreading in the U.S. I was like, well, they, they didn't say it's a fungus. They just said fungal infections. They're capitalizing on the popularity of the yeah, show yeah, in this right. article. Sure. They're yeah. saying fungal infections. They said the research showed that in 2021, at least 7,000 people died in the United States of fungal infection, which is much worse than hundreds getting infected in 1970. Now, granted, there's a lot more people in the world than there were in 1970, almost to the right. tune of what, like 2x the world population, if not more. Right. Yeah. Uh, but still, going from hundreds to 7,000 means something's going on. They said it could be. One possibility is that global warming is making the fungus more resistant to heat and temperature. So the human body makes a really good host. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a lot of speculation in here, but I think they're just sensationalizing on the show going, yeah, hey, a little bit. we've got some research that shows. Yeah. Well, uh, I did I did think that the concept was interesting because uh, I've seen... I've seen those ants. I've seen a video of those ants. They get the fungal yeah. infection yep. and they become zombified yep. where uh, they're, they're not doing uh, their own bidding. <laughs> they're doing the will of the fungus or whatever is moving them around. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting concept for the show as well, as, or I guess the game as well. But uh, I just thought that it was an interesting and This, this isn't the first storyline to be based off the ants and the fungus either. So No. It's... Um, this is this almost sounds more like what I thought. Um, oh, what was the show that took place on? Was it Antarctica? With the with the black disease. Oh, I'll remember it later. I, I can't remember. It was a sci fi show. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the name of it either. Yeah, Clinton? I, I I probably didn't see it. Doesn't okay. If, if I, it's I, a horror. I probably didn't see it anyway. So. I, I watch it. I want to say it started with an H. Now I can't remember what it's called. Uh, but it's um, it was like good first season, lame second season, and I couldn't watch it anymore after that. I, went, yeah. I really, really wanted that show to take off, but it just didn't. It moved way too slowly. Anyway, yeah. So 
stay away from your fungus. Don't eat moldy cheese. Don't turn into a zombie ant. <laughs> Words to live by. Should we give a shout out to the chat room? Oh, wait. We had two people and we invited one to the show. <laughs> I know, right? That's wow. right. There's three watching right now, so I'm not sure where that went. But you can join us live Sundays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube, on Facebook. We do this show. We're going to update our show notes. They still say 9.30, but Craig updated the uh, the title below. So we will be here again Sunday nights. Join us. Join in the chat. We've got uh, Mike Robinson is the only person I see, but there's a couple more out there viewing. Thank you very much to everybody who's joined us, and we invite you again. Hey, your show is Helix. Helix. I knew it started with an H. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I just happened to do the right search terms. Started out good. Oh, Steven's out there. Steven Witchy. Yay, Steven. He's uh, he's used to listening to the podcast at 1.2. 1.2? Okay, that's probably because I talk at 2.0 normally anyway, so you're getting like 2.4 out of this. That's right. Okay, on to the Remember When. We have some wonderful pictures. We're going to share these on the screen, I think. What do you think, Craig? Yes, let's do it. So, oh my retro computers, let me do a screen share. Apologize for the people that are listening, but we'll do our best to describe. What can we share? What can we share? Let's I, share. I love these. Uh, Designers gone wild. Here we go. These kind of uh, old concepts. Where they try... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looks like, this computer looks like it was based on E.T. Or a telephone. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's the Holborn 9100 from 1981. With yeah. a Z80 processor, I'm not sure why there's a stack of three and a half inch floppies next to it because those didn't come along for a few years. Uh, they maybe belong to the AT&T Unix computer the, next to it, or the, or the future right. owner of that machine. Because they've got the little file for the next, the next right. machine. We also have the IASIS, uh, the IASIS 7301 from 1976. This, it's not the computer came with an instruction manual. The computer was in the instruction manual. <laughs> It's a three-ring binder that has this little... Now, computers from 1976, you typed in the opcodes to get your program running. With the, what was it, 264-page computer, a whopping 1K of ROM, and 1K of RAM. And you typed in... So you couldn't even put the instruction manual on the machine if you wanted. Oh, heavens no. You could maybe add two numbers or do a dancing cursor or something if you were really creative. Next up is the Seiko UC2000 from 1984. And what you see on the top middle is, yes, it's a watch. You can integrate your... This is before the days of smartwatches. As I'll say, guess well, smart it was watch? kind of a smartwatch. The Seiko watches, I remember having some Seiko watches. They could do a fair amount of things. You, you have could. A calculator in there and stuff. And yeah. But this particular one, you could interface... You could hook up to this docking station, as it were. And it had a printer and a keyboard, not a very a nice keyboard, by yeah, the way. Not, uh, with a grid layout. That's helpful. Yeah, makes a lot of sense if you're a typist. <laughs> <laughs> but you could turn it into a computer. Next is the Packard Bell. And I'm going to put this in quotes, air quotes, corner computer. I've <laughs> I've seen pictures of this one, and you know, out of context because it wasn't in a corner, and it just was such an odd design. At least it makes sense now. It yeah, it well, it really wasn't. It was about the same size as their standard case PC, only they took a chunk out of the front and put. Imagine if you put your computer into a corner, like nobody puts my computer in a corner. <laughs> nobody puts baby in a corner. 
And then you move the CD-ROM off to the left side and yeah. uh, off to the right side and the floppy drive off to the left. It, it's like you – so you're inserting things at weird angles. It didn't save any mu- any space because all the cords basically came out of the back right side. So you, you still had – a whole bunch of yeah. wall space to provide for it didn't i mean it, it's not a crazy concept i, I don't you know but yeah it's not perfect it, it, it did not go over well uh n- i like the compact presario 3020 from 1995 which looks like it had a transporter accident yeah world's worst laptop uh, yeah. is it a laptop is it a desktop no, it's not. it looks like it's both and neither so imagine taking a regular slimline desktop case gluing that to a not slimline desktop case and stacking them vertically now at an odd angle you put on a 15 inch maybe 13 inch at a flat screen at a at a, a, a obscure angle too so it's sort of angled towards your eyes I mean, everything is just at this weird angle as if it's all going to tip over at some point and I can't tell that it's it's also on top of like a very round base, and it looks like there's buttons down there below where the monitor is. I can't imagine to what all that stuff. Just to the screen well. contrast or something. I don't know because you normally have buttons like that on your monitor. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was fun. Then there's the Intel Ottoman, <laughs> which is there's no empire built on this machine. I'm telling you that. No, right. you could use it as a footstool. I think. It's uh, it's it's round, has a flip up lid, and in the lid is your screen, uh, and then on the on the base of this would be the keyboard and God knows what else. I think there's a floppy drive just in well, front of the keyboard. Kind of sit on the floor to use it, or do you put it on your lap, or do you put it on a desk? I don't know how you would use it. Uh, maybe, you know, in a day and age where we have Chromecast and stuff, it'd be cool to have. A PC and a hat, uh, an ottoman like that. You could just it, have it in the living you, room. If you could, you know, sit on it instead of butt dialing, would you be butt computing? <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> yeah, this this one's just really okay. That we get into more strange shapes. The main gear Prisma from 2006 comes in yellow, red, and blue. Hey, Star Trek colors. How, what do you know? Yeah. This is a pyramid shaped computer with the keyboard out front. I don't even know where the screen is on this thing. I don't you know, know what, what, laugh, laugh, but you will. But man, it kept my razor blades really sharp. That's right. Or it, it, it maybe it had killer sound. I don't know what the attraction you know what, of this was. You know, it looks like somebody was trying to come up with an answer to uh, Apple's little Max. cube. Yeah, no, the round, the 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 uh, moonstick rectangle one. Yeah, no, the the. The IMAX, the ones that were uh yeah, the all in one mod- right? all in one. The yeah. G three, yeah. Yeah, that's what it looks like. They're trying to uh, just make a pyramid, you know. Well and wait. they make they make reference to it being like uh, in the in the uh little blur below like the uh the Luxor hotel because it has a a glowing oh, part of the top of it. Oh very nice. Yeah. You can see from the space shuttle. <laughs> Turn that thing down. All right. From 2009, when you think of Lenovo ThinkPads, you generally think, yeah, that's pretty mainstream. Oh, they yeah. had their they had their winners as well. The ultra-wide keyboard with a numeric keypad next to it. And apparently, they not only had a trackpad, you know, because the, the, the ThinkPads, even before they were Lenovo, when they were IBMs, they had both the track point, you know, the eraser thing between the G and the H keys. Yep. Yep. 
and you had a touchpad with the buttons. You could use either or both if you're really sadistic. But they also had like a pen tablet piece just off to the right of your trackpad. I'm not sure what the point was, but this and and I noticed if you look closely, handwriting. I'm, I'm guessing for handwriting input because they've got a, a like a stylus that looks like it's a yeah yeah you would use there. And the screen had like a daughter screen off to the right, almost like you stuck an iPad on the side of this thing. Take that foldables. <laughs> well, you know it's funny. I don't was it CES? I, I can't remember where it was that they. I saw a, a new uh, laptop from. Uh, I think it was Lenovo and it was like a screen on the bottom and a screen on the fr- top, just like yeah. instead of the keyboard, there's a screen Yep. and it had a, a little foldable origami kind of thing. You flip, you fold it and you can stand up both monitors up and use a Bluetooth keyboard, which it had, it was separate. Uh, it looked really cool, but very odd, you know, because it's a, right. it's, you fold it to the two screens, but you had that keyboard. I thought it was pretty cool. So, you know, kudos to them for trying something different, I guess. And you can fold it into a swan if you really want to. Yes. <laughs> Origami computing. <laughs> Let's go on to another one. Ah, this this is an embedded video where uh, the lady goes through several other computers, including the Mac G3 at the end. She says, now, even though that's the most recent of them in 1998, it ran a version of OS X, which gave you some idea of how long you could actually run a G3. The the little hockey puck mouse was a little off, but she had some other ones yeah. like one of the first compact portables. Yeah, either that's a comp is that an Osborne or is that a compact, the one that's got the little logo on it? I can't um I forget which one. I think that is a compact. I'll say it looks familiar like a compact. Yeah. And it was, you know, about four or five inches thick. The battery ran for three hours. Um she talked about yeah. the original Mac with the 128K. So there, this was a fun video to go through about ten minutes, and you know, yeah, uh, my me and uh, my friend Fred, we both worked at Sears Business Center. I know you worked at a uh, Computer Land, Computer Land, yep. Computer Land. and so Sears had IBM and Compacts that mm-hmm. were selling, and so I remember the, um, was the Compact Portable Two, the Luggable like, Two. It's like a big sewing machine it was larger than a sewing machine yeah it looked like you're carrying a suitcase uh it was ridiculous uh in the keyboard fold out i mean i like the design but man it was heavy open that up in coach class airlines i'm just gonna do some computing here well the 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 portable i'm sorry uh the portable three was better but it wasn't you know that was that was smaller that was more like um, yeah. bread box the, size. The, I wouldn't call it a lunch box. screen on it. Yeah. This was, this was like what? one of those kind of models, but this had a flip mm-hmm. up screen, whereas the portable three sort of slid up the side of the lunch box yeah. and then out, yeah. which was cool. what you, are you going to say Clinton? I just remember, uh, when I was working in advertising, I did an ad for like one of the, the, the first color laptops. Like that was a big deal. Ooh, you know, yeah. show stuff in color. on the screen. Oh yeah. Ah, that's right. Or the gas plasma displays. <laughs> that, that's what was that on the eight bass. That, that was actually. what was on the portable three. We used that for yeah. one of our math competition or uh, computing competitions. We had like a weekend, kind of like a hackathon for mathematicians and programmers. They said, here's your problem. You've got all week to solve it. So the three of us, I borrowed one of the portable threes, or maybe it was a, no, it was, it was a Toshiba. It was a Toshiba with the gas plasma display. You know, this bright orange display. We had to find out. 
given this square footage of space, how many parking spots could you get in there and to maximize parking? I thought you were going to say you wrote a, a dating app and you had to dial in to look at the no. people and no. click the right arrow or the left arrow to pick <laughs> Tinder, the, the, like Tinder. The precursor to <laughs> Tinder. Get it down into Tinder. We have a message from uh, Steve Weshu who says, oh, yeah. I, have, uh, I have one of these in my basement. I saved it from the recycling pile at work. We never deployed it, and it's nickname, and nicknamed it the $2,000 doorstop. Ooh, and he gets a link. Acer Arcana. Ooh. I can't pull. There we go. I was trying to pull up the link. Uh, I can't pull it up from in there. Um, the Acer Iconia 6120. Let's say Acer Iconia. What was it? Six, six what? 6120. 6120. Oh, I got it right here. Okay. That's actually a decent looking laptop. Oh, uh, what's it got? Two screens also on it? Looks kind of like it. Here, I'll show you the, I'll do my screen share again here. Yeah, yeah. one screen on the, on the keyboard says. Oops, that's not her. Wrong tab. I was yes, only sharing that tab. Oh. Uh, cool. There. Present. Share screen. Yeah, I certainly play with one of those. That looks pretty cool. There. Running Windows 8. Yeah, see that? Yeah. Oh. That's pretty cool. Ooh, it look, the graphic they put on there makes it look like the screen is shattered. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or it's like, look, I've got a monitor and a mirror. Yeah, yeah that's right. And it works as a teleprompter, too. This is a, this is a prototype. <laughs> Two-screen laptop. One is the keyboard. Oh, fascinating. That's cool. Okay. Let's give a quick shout out to our, since Stephen is here, to our patrons. So thank you, everybody. You did an amazing job with the January funding for this podcast. We uh, were able to pay all our bills once again for audio production. Yeah. Hence, we can keep doing this live stream as well. What's the the Technorama uh, credit score look like? Um, I don't know. We do have a credit card, oddly enough. (laughs) <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. Whoa. That's how we pay off Onik and oh, and, and Streamyard and everybody else, so we don't have to hook them up to our. Pay. Anyway, not enough of the behind the scenes stuff. <laughs> Thank you to you, Alexis Duran, Ember Elstad, Amy Bowen, Abner Braverman, Ben Vaughn, Brian Brown, Chris Martinez. Thank you, Chris MC, Dandy Man Coyer, Dean Jensen. Thank you, Denise Inglis, Gary Lindros, John Clifford, John Noble. That John Noble? Our John Noble. Thank you. Okay. Wait for it. <laughs> Yorgish Rowan, Crazy Joe Adventures, Kyle Nishioka, Leon, Mark Kilfoyle, Brad Miller, Mike Wills. Boop. There's a blank space in there. Yeah. Which, you know. I, I thought you went offline first. Comedy forecast yeah. would fit nicely in that box. Yeah. Look at that. Look at that. Saturday morning media. Come on. You got peers that are other podcasters that are giving to this sad pa- sad podcast. Stephen Weshy, he's online. Give him some applause. Yay. Steve Therian, Steve Cody, Steve London, and Tim Cook. Thank you, everybody. You can go to, link, Craig, you can go to patreon.com slash Technorama podcast. He's got it. There it is. For as little as a dollar a show your support, if we entertain you, if we educate you, if we mildly tickle your funny bone consider it 
Or, if you're already a member, several people have considered upgrading. Hey, that that 2022 t-shirt was rocking, and we're already throwing around ideas for 2023. So, you could have a collector's item. Not, like, a junk collector, but a real collector's item. The Technorama Podcast. Thank you, everybody, once again. All right, out with the Imperial Rock Band. Okay, you can put the banner away, Craig. I am putting it away right now. Because it's time for... I see uh, Clinton changed his title. No, I've been... uh, You need to go back and watch the show. I've been changing all all night. Chief Noodle Taster, Chief Pajama Folder and Fluffer... Mm. Fluffer? Director of Duck Whispering. That one quacks me up. Uh, <laughs> I think the uh, we've we've right. discovered the, in, and I use this term lightly, the intelligence behind ChatGPT. <laughs> Craig, hey, actually, Craig's you know trying to I, game I, the system. Actually, I did use ChatGPT. I said, "Give me a random job title," and then I, it gave me environmental scientist. I went, "Make it goofy, Chief Banana Peel Inspector." <laughs> Billy Joel uses stuff like all that. You know, what's a real estate novelist? I never did figure that out. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, see, he's a real estate by day, but he's a would-be novelist by night. That's the point, is that he's, he, he's not really, he wants to be a novelist, but he's really not one. I thought he was writing books about, it was a dark and stormy oh, night. There was a house for sale for 120K. <laughs> it says it implies that uh, that the real estate agent secretly wishes to be published author rather than sell houses for a living. What did I say? That's exactly what you said. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, now is the time of the show where we share with you some of the things we've been watching, TVs, movies, maybe even books. Uh, we get those rarely. Uh, I, I am still going through the audiobook that Kyle sent me for Christmas, so I will give you a rundown of that when it's done. Yes, I just started that myself. Aha. So uh, I, I watched one last night called The Dirt. On Netflix, it is. Okay. I, I told you, I'm caught up with some of these music. Hey, they're scraping the bottom of the barrel for these documentaries. Yeah, music oh, documentary. What about dirt? Well, just it's a picture of dirt. It's the story of Motley Crue. Okay, you're right. And yes. it's it's. I suspect it's pretty real to life because the producers, the band members, Vince Neil, Nikki Six, Tommy. Uh, uh, I want to say Tommy Shaw, but that's sticks. No, uh, what? Him, Tommy no. Lee. That's it. And uh, Mick Marks, Mick Mars, uh, the band members. They they're they're telling their stories. And it starts out as Nikki Six's story, and then partway through, they go, "Well, um, I, I believe it was Tommy jumps in and starts saying, well, that's not the way I remember this part.' You know, so they kind of break this fourth wall every once in a while. Uh, oh, yeah. It is very explicit, shall we say? Mm. Uh, lots of nudie shots uh because oh. they're showing how ruckus they right. were i'll be back uh, in a minute I'm gonna it go does it. have <laughs> it does have some touching moments they talk about you know obviously vince neal's car crash and um nikki almost dying from a drug overdose but their 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 turnaround and you know how they came back and toured for like another 20 years so they, they eventually reconciled with each other and and to some extent their families as well. So 
it was it was a fun watch. Uh, I think it was like seven out of ten on IMDb, and I'd, I'd probably rate it about the same. So, The Dirt on okay. Netflix. Uh, they had some good music. The, the guy who plays Vince Neil is also the guy who plays Lee Harvey Oswald on eleven twenty two sixty three. So I couldn't get that ah. image out of my mind. Oh yeah. Uh, the guy who plays uh, Mick Mars is from Game of Thrones, and I'm like, oh okay. So uh, the the other actors, I know I recognize them, but I went through their IMDb profiles, going, where have I seen it? Don't recognize any of that. So it's like you're going to see some familiar faces. The guy who plays Tommy Lee has sort of this um, Keanu Reeves, um, Bill and Ted's vibe about him too. It's like, yeah, so it's it's a fun watch. I mean, they are going Bro. through the eighties. What do you got, Craig? Um, I'll, I was I thought I had something else, but I can't remember. But anyway, I, I already talked about it a little bit earlier in the show, The Last of Us. Yep, uh, I think it's a well done show from what I've seen so far. It's only three episodes. I skipped ahead, watched. Nick Offerman um, watches. Uh, I like Nick Offerman. So when kept, everybody kept saying how great this was, oh my gosh, Emmy, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I, I'll go ahead and watch it. So I, I jumped in in episode number three. Yeah, um, it's def- definitely not a, um, like he was on The Office though. It's completely different. <laughs> no, no. It's, right. it's, it's a definite uh, departure from what you would think he would be playing. The, uh, the- the other thing that I know about the series is, I guess, so it starts off in Boston, which is the same way that the video game starts off. Yep. And then everyone was talking about the fact there's a scene in first couple of minutes of it where they've left Boston and they're 10 miles north of Boston. Yeah. And they're in this huge chasm with mountains and stuff. That yeah. There is no place like that, I assure you. And is that not where and you were hiking? today <laughs> no 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 and it, it turns out that that's someplace in calgary it's nothing at all oh, yeah. you right could, if the earth cracked open maybe i suppose and then but no yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i've read the same thing of course when i when it starts up says 10 miles just north of boston i went yeah okay i just, I don't just like so. the cetacean institute in sausalito <clears throat> monterey bay aquarium mm. south yeah 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 <laughs> So anyway, it, it looks like it's going to be a good show. I like it so far. Pedro Pascal is pretty good from what I've seen. So uh, cool. he's like all over the place nowadays. And you get to see his face in this one as opposed to the yeah. Mandalorian. No, he's got a shirt over his head. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, never mind. I was wrong. He's wearing one of those hoodies that zips up and it's the face of the Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So anyway, it looks like it's going to be worth it. Uh, I was, I was, wait, I was kind of putting it off watching any of it because i was like eh, i kind of got burned out on the zombie stuff with walking dead and i wasn't really interested in going back to another apocalyptic you know here's what our future is going to look like which actually is interesting because it does take start takes place starting in 2003 um is when the whole thing sort of turned south so anyway um we missed it darn yeah, we missed it. Busy that weekend. We skipped over it. So anyway, there you go. Last time. We're in the alternate timeline where it hit in 2020 called COVID-19. Yeah, that's right. Choose your poison. All right. Back on the music documentary, I also watched Ella Fitzgerald, just one of those things. Great story. Great story about the woman. I, uh, some of these artists that you know, uh, the, you know their music, you know their reputation, but you don't know the full story. This really goes in well, how she got her start, 
her, her relationship with her manager, her relationship with other musicians, um, you know, right up to, to the point where she died at age 79. I did not know that towards the end, she had both her legs amputated due to diabetes. Whoa. Yeah, I don't remember anything about that. I so, don't yeah. either. Uh, I remember seeing her on... Uh, what was it? The Memorex commercial <laughs> Is it yeah, yeah. where she was shattering the glass with her voice or, uh, uh, it, there were, there were some interesting points. Her live from Berlin album, I thought was just enjoyable because she was doing a version of Mac the knife and she forgot the words. She didn't know the words well enough to do the entire song. And she gets to one point. What are the words to this song? But she was doing it in such <laughs> her free-flowing style that nobody really cared. It's a winner. I'll tell you it's a hit. Doo-doo-ba-ba-dee-doo. <laughs> it, was, it was so entertaining just the way that she pulled that nonsensical BS verses off. And, uh, and th- that album went up to sell a million copies. <laughs> uh, but she was uh, just... A wonderful, wonderful person. Uh, I invite you to go watch if you're interested in any of the the music. You know, I, I mentioned I watched Quincy Jones recently. Uh, the Dirt doesn't quite fall into the same category, but the other one that I watched is called Remastered: The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. Now, Sam Cooke, you know, we know his music yep. as well. Yep. yep. Uh, what you may not know is that was sort of his. Um, not a facade, but that was that was like his commercial presence. When he would go back and play like the Apollo, he really got like more black. If you if you want to forget that bottom, mm-hmm. he delivered a same song, way different style of that song. Plus, he was uh, he was also starting to become a political activist. He said, "Look, I've been given these blessings. I want to do something to improve." the situation with the civil rights movement coming on. He started hanging around with Muhammad Ali and Malcolm X. And of course, Hoover thought, well, you know, we got to, we got to watch out for these people who could be a danger to uh, society or whatever. And uh, you you, you listen to some of the things that Malcolm X said, and it's like, he was so far ahead of his time uh, just in uh, uh, we just want to be, you know, we are people, we are, we are human beings with lives of our own, et cetera. And, right. uh, you know, it, it was, and then he died under mysterious circumstances. Like he's found in yeah, this hotel. Is, Sam yeah. Cooke had a really weird ending and it was called the two killings of Sam Cooke because not only they took his life, but they also like took his reputation and it was, it was a really sad ending, but very good documentary about him. Again, right. they, they talked to a lot of the people, you know, I was his manager. Uh, a lot of these people were still alive. I think this is from 2018, 2019. Uh, so it, it was, it was fun seeing some of these people that interacted with him that were part of his life. Uh, oh, the, uh, the Ella Fitzgerald one, I forgot. They, they walk this lady into the Apollo theater. Mm-hmm. And she's a hundred years old. She was at, uh, I forget if it was her amateur hour, uh, Ella's amateur hour opening in what was it, 1934 or something? She goes, right. I booed at Ella Fitzgerald because she was bad. <laughs> like, oh, oh no. 
It's like, wow. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's funny. That was like this just cute little old lady. Well, she got better. Yeah, clearly got better. Uh, yeah, but it was it was fun seeing you know these people that were there, and it, it, it makes it feel like this wasn't that long ago, because you're you're talking to people who had you know, personal relationships. It was kind of like Quincy Jones when he was talking about you know blah 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 about Marvin Gaye and da 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 Michael Jackson and uh, you know Dizzy Gillespie and uh, Duke Ellington. Like wow, you know you, you feel like Duke Ellington was a hundred years ago, and in some respects it was. You know he was. 20s, 30s, 40s, into the 50s. Uh, But, you know, now you have this touchstone directly to those. So that's kind of why I'm enjoying these, you know, music documentaries as well. That's the end of the Pass Me the Remote section. Wait, wait, wait. Well, what? Clinton, what are you you watching? That's what I was going to ask. Well, these days when I just sit around and and watch TV for uh, a couple of minutes... I try to find something that I go, I don't know why I'm watching this, but I think I'm going to just have fun or just puzzle over it. And what I'm watching currently, it's on um, uh, Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. It's a series called Dangerous Assignment. And I don't think I ever saw it in reruns when I was a, a kid, but it actually started out as a radio program from 1949 to 1953. And it was about this agent from an undisclosed agency that out of Washington, D.C. And his agent's name was Steve Mitchell. And he would travel around the world to uh, find spies or to you know solve some in- political intrigue. And after the uh, radio series was actually the, the television series, I believe, started while the radio series was still going. Hmm. So they they took the same actor, they took the same director, they took the same person who was writing, and they turned it into a television show. And the television show is what I've been watching. The television show is this, it's very odd. It's odd because it's clearly low production values. They go to different hotel rooms and different episodes and you say, oh, it's the same hotel room because there's the window, there's the closet. <laughs> You know, if they go to a bar, that's the same bar because behind that door, which is sometimes closed, is a set of stairs that they always use. And this is the entrance over here. And then the way they filmed it, it seems as if if you were an actor who came in to do a role, they had you do two episodes back to back. And they they showed them back to back. So, for instance, they had uh, Michael Ansara on an episode playing uh, someone from a Eastern European country. And then the next, the next episode, he's playing someone in Saudi Arabia being some sort of chic. Oh, (laughs) same actor. The very next week. He's he's still got like some of the, you know, native American Indian war paint on him from the previous episode. (laughs) And the, and, we so we uh last night Bonnie and I were listening to a couple of the radio shows, uh, and the radio shows seem to have a faster pace than the television show, and okay. we're trying to figure out why because they're both half hour shows. Matter of fact, the radio show was 29 minutes, 29 minutes, uh, like 45 seconds, it was almost a 
full half hour, which I thought was odd because there was no commercial in the middle of it. It was all show. The television show is two minutes shorter, and yet it feels longer because there are scenes where people are just walking back and forth, or if somebody goes to get something, you just look at them go to get it and then come <laughs> back again. Right. So I'm just fascinated by this show. There's 40 episodes of this show, and I'm wow. about three quarters of the way through it. It's it's just it's bizarre. It's just bizarre. Well, you reminded me that um a lot of a lot of this past week I've spent I I sit down and I go, I need something that I don't really need to pay attention to, but I want to enjoy. That's, Paramount that's Plus what... has a live section on their mm-hmm. selection. So I'll I'll go to the Star Trek swim lane if you want to call it. It's not really a channel, but yeah, and you know, random episode of Picard and they'll play three or four of those and they'll jump to Discovery and play three or four of those and they'll so you can get, you know, it's like Okay, there's my Star Trek fix, but I've also been watching uh, Twilight Zone. Always good for a quick fix. Like, oh, I remember this one. Burgess Meredith, books, yeah. breaks his glasses. There's Absolutely. some that I'm like, How, why don't, uh, this one's not ringing a bell. I swear I've watched all of them from all five seasons, but it's it's fun to just kind of go catch up and, you know, almost as background noise while I'm doing something on the computer. So well, yeah, Paramount Plus has, yeah. a, has a, you can't yeah. pause it. You know, so, right. And there's no commercials. Well, at least not on my version. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think I think what they're doing there is I think they're taking select from Pluto. Yeah, oh. they they operate Pluto, and Pluto has two Star Trek channels: one that shows Next Generation, and one that shows uh, Original Trek and um, Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine on it. Yeah, this yeah. one this one they mix it up pretty good. I've seen TNG. I've seen um, Picard. Yeah, I've seen Discovery, uh, but I, just as I you like get going, it's like, wait, I I want to keep watching. Nope, yeah. they're switch switch genres. I'm like, dang it. That's why I like Pluto TV, which CBS Paramount they do own Pluto TV. But uh, I like that because it's got not just Star Trek, but other stuff too, like Johnny Carson, uh, uh, Cara Burnett. That's what I was trying to think of, and a Love Boat, and all kinds of oh, Three's Company. They you know they got a bunch of. <laughs> all those old shows and you can just drop in and watch it for a little bit. That sounds like so me TV in a way. Yeah. I, I like it. You don't have to make much decision. Just drop in Star Trek when you can, you get something different. And I think they stuff. also, I think they're also the ones that have both a mystery science theater channel and a riff tracks channel. Oh my. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I might have to go check that out. I was just watching, I watched a little bit of Futurama the other night. And when they go to the, it's one of the episodes where they go to the movie theater and, uh, you see, um, Crow and everybody over there is like, Hey, hold it down. Y'all talk too much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't remember seeing that before. I don't either. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I, I thought you were going to say like Bender becomes one of the bots that starts talking along. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah he could. I found my people. <laughs> yes. Yeah, right. All righty. Let's end with our question of the week for this week coming up. If you could go back in time and witness a historic, I think it's an historic event if you're reading it, uh, which would you choose? Which hmm. event would you choose hey, to witness? I did post this to chat GPT and it said, uh, as a language model. AI, oh, for car, crying out loud. Is, it after, is that a disclaimer every time? No, the other one was a little different. No, uh, it started out the same way as a language model AI. It said it didn't have emotions on the other one. This one says it physically can't travel through time. 
Uh, but if I were to choose a historic event to witness, it would be likely to be the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776, but marked the birth of the United States of America and the formal Declaration of Independence from Great Britain. It is considered a significant turning point in world history and had far-reaching impacts on politics, soci- uh, society, and concept of nationhood. So, and get a selfie. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah, but they're hey, signing it. Go, bell so much, you're gonna crack it. Come on, Thomas. Yeah. Thomas, stand over here with me. Yeah, get in the get in the picture, Ben. <laughs> what is this magic rectangle you have in your hand? It's a portal. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna love lightning. <laughs> trust me. Right. Yeah, trust me. <laughs> All right, that takes us to the end of the show. Thank you very much once again for our patrons. We appreciate. Get in touch with us. Get in touch with us. There we go. Craig put up that contact info for them to let the viewers know. You can get in touch with us on the listener line at 707-530-2428. Or, uh, I mean, you can text us, call us. It all works. It still works. Email us like Mad Marv did, technorama at chuckchat.com. We both get that message, Craig and me, and we can read it on the air. If you don't want it read on the air, please let us know. Otherwise, we probably will. Because we're short on feedback and we want to make a more interesting show. Okay, that was a little too honest. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you can you find us. Titles one more time. Visit our website. Find all the old shows if you want to start listening from episode one. If it's still out there, <sighs> chuckchat.com/technorama. Yeah. Put that on your bucket list. Yeah, <laughs> I watched all twenty-six seasons of Technorama. Till next uh, time. Give us a binary high five, Craig. One zero one. Thanks, Clinton. Oh, hey, you know what? Clinton, let them know where you're where, where they can find you. Oh, comedy forecast, all one word with the number four dot com. There. <laughs>